0: Welcome to a special edition of Let's Talk Hope. I'm Marian Shuck. On this edition of the podcast, I'm having the tables turned on me, and we're flipping the script. Instead of being the host, I'm the guest on the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois podcast called "The Journey Continues." It's hosted by Monica Fox, a longtime friend, trusted colleague, and kidney donor recipient. The Journey Continues centers around similar issues of kidney and other organ donation.
1: So here's the interview presented in full. On this episode of The Journey Continues, Marion shares how her work has impacted the community and the inevitable effect that it had on her personal life. So let's get right into it. Tell me about what brought you to Gift of Hope and the work that you do there. You
0: know, Monica, I came to Gift of Hope in 2009 during the economic downturn, and I was in a company that laying off people every day, and it just got to be too much, and one of the board members that I knew, um, Gift of Hope, said, there's this position I think you would be great for, and so I interviewed, loved everyone, and believe it or not, got a new job in the middle of an economic downturn.
1: Wow. So you were meant to be there.
0: Probably. We really see families on the worst day of their lives and then we help them through their tragic circumstance. But more importantly, for people such as yourself, we do a great job of communication, outreach and education. So people will register so that people don't have to wait for a life-saving organ.
1: Yes, you guys do so much great work. So let's try to break it down. Tell me more about how you support donor families.
0: When families experience a tragic circumstance, obviously no one wants to be a donor family at Gift of Hope because that means that a loved one has died. And so Gift of Hope is the organ procurement organization that coordinates organ and tissue donation. We support families, one, while they're in the hospital, And then after they've made a decision to donate, then they get transitioned into what we call donor family services. And after that, we have four donor family service specialists, one in Springfield and three upstate, plus a supervisor who support families. They're responsible for doing wellness checks about two weeks after the families have suffered their loss. Then we do checks at 30 days six months, nine months, and a year, but we also are responsible for supporting the families. You know, a lot of families will come to us and they want to create a foundation or they want to honor their loved one because we're really helping them create a lasting legacy. A lot of them immediately want to know where their organs and their tissue have gone so we can coordinate that process so we just support them in any endeavor. We hold memory box making workshops. We hold support meetings, whether your loved one has died from suicide, if your loved one is African-American or Hispanic, we hold workshops for moms, for dads. So we really try to support all of our families. And as you can imagine, Monica, we get over 4,000 families a year that we support these tragic circumstances.
1: Wow, that's amazing. And that's really good work. And I imagine that gives the families some peace to keep their loved one's legacy alive and to have that support from Gift of Hope. You also, uh, you mentioned, you know, them wanting to know who has received their recipients organs or tissues. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to me about how that process works?
0: We obviously know who our donor families are. Monica. But then we work with the transplant centers because they are the ones who ultimately receive the organs for someone's generous gift. And then we also work with our tissue processors who receive the tissue and then allocate it as needed. So when that happens, we have the information here. If the donor family writes to us and say that they want to contact their recipients, then we reach out to the transplant centers. Um, We have the communication and we can let the transplant centers know that the donor family has written. And if the recipient writes at the same time to their transplant centers and say, oh, we want to know who our donor family is, we want to thank them, then we connect the two. And we do a lot of donor family recipient meetings. We've done them quietly. We've done them with lots of media. And it's so riveting, Monica, to see donor family meet their recipients a lot of them are heart recipients and so people want to use a stethoscope to listen to the heart of their loved one in someone else's chest a lot of them from tissue people can see better and so it is one of the biggest coordinations that we do and it really helps both the donor family and the recipient with healing but more importantly It makes new families, Monica, because they feel so connected by this selfless gift that they end up being in each
1: other's lives forever. You're absolutely right, Marion. And I feel very emotional Mm
0: -hmm.
1: when you talk about this because I reflect back to Gift of Hope arranging for me to meet my donor family. And that has been so impactful. And you're right. Did create a new family. It created a lasting relationship between us. And it really gave my donor, Milton's family, some peace in knowing that he was still alive through me. Yes. Yeah. And it really was a wonderful day. So for that, I am truly grateful. And although I'm interviewing you, <laughs> I just, you know, couldn't get past this moment without sharing that.
0: Monica, I so appreciate you sharing that. And I so appreciate it being there for you and to be able to coordinate that. And what most folks don't know is that we can coordinate that process. You know, if your donor is in Tennessee or Kentucky and your donor was out of state and, you know, we coordinated that process so that we could bring them here so they can meet Could meet you. And as I mentioned earlier, it was media. You know, we had media there. We did it at the House of Hope. So, not every donor recipient meeting will be like that because some people like privacy. But what's important is, and I'll say it again, we create new families. Although you don't want to be a part of the Gift of Hope family because you've lost someone, if we can connect you to your recipient, you get a new family. So true. So true.
1: So what are some of the major myths and misconceptions around organ donation?
0: Monica, we don't have enough time <laughs> for this. But let's let me take, let's take the top three. <laughs> the top three. The first one, and communities of color, especially Black and brown lives, are rightful to have mistrust of the healthcare community. There have been some terrible testing, there have been some terrible marginalizing their health, and so they don't have trust for the healthcare community. That leads to the second biggest myth. Folks don't believe that if they're in an accident, if they get sick, that the healthcare community is going to save their lives. They really believe that they will try to take their organs and give them to some rich white person and let them languish and let them die. And then the third is, you know, really huge in that people really believe if they're in that accident and they see that they're having that driver's license and folks will be like, they'll see if I'm an organ donor, then they're not going to do enough to save me. And then that couples with the religious myth, because a lot of folks believe that They need to take all their organs with them to be whole, and that God wants them to take all their organs, which He does not. Because if anyone is Christian, if anyone is Muslim or Jewish, they understand from their religious principles that you're going to receive a new body. So this earthly body is nothing. And so you can look in Revelations to understand that concept. And I think finally, People think that all major religions do not support organ and tissue donation. And Monica, as you know, that could be further from the truth. We celebrate Faith and Hope Month, National Donor Sabbath, to really have our faith partners and our interfaith councils support and reiterate that all major religions, even Jehovah's Witness, and people think they don't support, but they do. They don't support blood donation, but they do and they will support organ and tissue donation.
1: Well, that's very helpful information. So I know as a longtime ambassador with Gift of Hope that you do many, many community awareness programs. What are some examples of those programs?
0: Monica, we can do programs, our donation service area, Spans from Waukegan in the Wisconsin border over to Elgin in that Wisconsin border, all the way down to about 50 miles south of Springfield. And with that, we cover a lot of geographic area plus two counties in northwest Indiana. So, what happens is we cover every demographic. And so, some of the events that we've done the Black Women's Expo, we've done Operation Push. We've done Greek Orthodox Festival. We have done Mexican Independence Day Festival. We have done the Polish American Parade. We've done the St. Patrick's Day Parade. And this year, we're going to even be participating in the Pride Parade. But we really try to find people where they are, whether they're at home, play, school, work, their professional and personal associations. We try to find people and help them understand the process of donation, Monica, because what happens is a lot of people say, oh, yeah, yeah, I believe in organ tissue donation, um, but I want somebody else to make that decision. I don't want to make that decision. Well, the role for my outreach specialist is to help people understand the process and make the decision for themselves. Because when you're in that tragic circumstance, Monica, it's a blur. It is a blur because you are not really understanding what has happened to you. That someone is coming in and saying your loved one's life is no longer sustainable. You're not really thinking that if somebody comes in a half an hour later to ask you for organ and tissue donation, that that's even wired on your brain. You know, especially for marginalized communities and communities of color who experience traumas when they get to the hospital before before you get to the question of organ and tissue donation.
1: Yes, that's just so true. And I just wonder, all of that work that you just mentioned, all those programs, that takes a lot of people. How do you, how do you accomplish all of that work?
0: Well, Monica, I don't have a lot of people. <laughs> I have a small but mighty band of employees who do exceptional work. They really work collaboratively. They work collaboratively with you at the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois to do collaborative partner events. Uh, We're excited to be partnering for the Walk for Kidneys in a couple weeks. We've partnered at the Black Women's Expo for quite a few years, and so we collaborate. We take a look at our industry partners, our community partners, and to see how can we work in communities that we might not have access to. We depend on our employees at Gift of Hope for letting us know where other events are in their own community. So it does take a village to be able to have a robust education and outreach program that is really grassroots, Monica. I mean, cause you got to have boots on the ground. You got to be willing to go where people are and you got to be willing to talk to people rather than at them.
1: And you've mentioned the black and brown community. Sounds like you do a lot of the work in those communities. Why is that?
0: Because black and brown communities, through no fault of their own, but also because they suffer more prevalently from chronic illnesses such as diabetes, hypertension, which are a result of lifestyle choices, a result of not going to the doctor in time so that when they present to the doctor, their organ failure is pretty much at the end stage, especially for kidney. Diabetes is controllable, but a lot of times folks get there too late. And so now they're on end stage renal failure.
1: Yeah. So people really need to be aware. And there is a lot of mistrust within the healthcare system and the the work that we do together I think is making a difference um, in raising that awareness. Gift of Hope is not just on the receiving end of just asking people to be donors, but you really are working the whole spectrum of the situation.
0: The challenge, Monica, is that marginalized communities have lack of access to health care when we talk about our undocumented community who are fearful of going to the doctor because of their, their status, their citizen status. We have folks who just you know believe if they take some Robitussin, everything will be better. Or if they take cod liver oil, that will fix it. So I think we have to, as organizations, National Kidney Foundation of Illinois and Gift of Hope together, We have to do some preventative work as well. And you all do an amazing job of preventative work. And that's why we support you by coming to your events and helping you get that word
1: out. Yes, it's a great partnership and collaboration that we all enjoy. Mm -hmm. That brings me to AMAT, the Association for Multicultural Affairs and Transplantation, Mm -hmm. and your role with them. I mean, I got a little tired just uh, with the intro <laughs> and all of the roles that you play. You yes. Have, you have leadership in, in a lot of this uh, business. Tell mm-hmm. me about that.
0: Monica, you know, as women of color, it is so important that we give back. And sometimes we do too much, but I really feel that as president of AMAT for the last two years, it has been a labor of love. It has been my joy to really move AMAT to the forefront of the organ and tissue donation conversation for multicultural communities. And multicultural is different than minority, right? Minority is from social determinants of health. And it is about, which I learned, numerical, clinical, and psychological concerns for people of color. But cultural spans the whole whole arena. LGBTQIA, you you talk about transgender folks, we talk about the Asian community, we talk about the Muslim community and African Americans and Hispanic Latinx. That is cultural, they have cultural nuances, but minority means how we are considered in governmental and clinical and psychological and through the census, that's a different mindset. And so we have to really focus on at Amat: how do we get to every single person who is different? You may be a majority in the community that you live in, but albeit by the very nature of your ethnicity, you may be a minority. And so we want to make sure that we, one, talk about that, but we also want to make sure we capture and we give people information so they are not a number. As you know, we have more than 100,000 people on the waiting list, so we don't want them to continue to be a number. And of that list, Monica, you know that 90,000 people are waiting for kidneys. Yes. A lot of people. And of that number, Monica, 29% are African-American. It's a lot of people.
1: The statistics are startling every time you hear them. So how does AMAT help with organ donation?
0: So we support the organ procurement organizations because all of our members basically work in OPOs or tissue banks. They work with multicultural communities. So we are seen as the subject matter experts on multicultural, on minority things that are happening. Most of the folks in AMET are in public education and awareness, PR. So they know how to reach the community. And a lot of OPOs don't know, even after 30 years of being in business, how to support and reach communities of color, specifically African-American, Hispanic, and Latinx. It's still a problem. Some folks still believe that people of color will not donate, Monica. And so we haven't invested in these communities as we should. AMAT is the subject matter organization that folks can come to and understand how to reach these diverse communities.
1: So let's talk, you just mentioned OPOs, and I want to make sure that's clear to everyone. Mm -hmm. So Gift of Hope is an organ procurement organization. Talk about OPOs and how many of them there are in this country? We
0: have 57 organ procurement organizations, Monica, and they are federally mandated to coordinate the organ and tissue donation process. Not only do they of the deceased organ and tissue donation process, but they also are mandated to do public education, community education, and, you know, in the hospitals. You know, so professional education, those are our mandates and to take care of donor families. And that's across the spectrum for all 57 OPOs.
1: So it sounds like Gift of Hope is really checking all those boxes you guys are doing, just those things.
0: Monica, we are a top performing OPO. Uh, We're not perfect, but we recognize that our communities of color, we ask a lot from them, Monica. And we ask a lot from them disproportionately because they suffer traumas and violence and chronic illnesses the most that has them wind up on our service. And so by asking a lot, we have to give a lot and we have to invest in our education and outreach initiatives with these communities.
1: So, Marion, you and I have known each other since the beginning of my kidney journey in 2013, Mm -hmm. and you were there with me during the most difficult years of my life. Mm -hmm. And after all those years of knowing you, I found myself in a position of supporting you during a difficult time in your life. So after years of working at Gift of Hope Mm -hmm. and you supporting donor families, you found yourself to be a donor wife. Did your years of professional experience prepare you for that? Monica, yes and no. It never prepares you for that moment. But
0: you are prepared because you know, and I will say this, Monica, my faith is very strong. And so I knew that my husband and my child are a gift from God. And I know in my heart of hearts that all of us are going to die. I saw this famous quote from a woman who lost her husband as well. And she actually lost her husband and her father like within six weeks of each other. And she said, 100% of the people we love are going to die. And we are 100% of people to someone else. So you cannot forget that death comes for everyone. And so, Monica, that day, I was not prepared for it because it was a beautiful sunny day. As you know, Reggie and I were avid bike riders. We rode everywhere. And it was funny, we had a great day because he said, okay, it's 56 degrees, you have to get on the bike. And I was like, ugh, I don't want to get on the bike. But we were riding, we were talking. Um, Our last conversation was about our daughter trying to get a single room at her dorm at NYU. And he just sort of rode in front of me, Monica. He fell off the bike and he had a heart attack. And I knew that he was gone. No, Monica, I was not prepared because in that moment, I didn't work at Gift of Hope. In that moment, I was a wife. I was a mother. My daughter was in New York. I had to figure out how to get her home so she could say goodbye to her father. All these things were just going through my mind. But I knew that I worked at Gift of Hope. I knew that there was no question in my mind that my husband was going to be a donor. That never escaped me. That is the fiber of my being.
1: It's never easy to be on that side of it, but uh, sounds like some of your muscle memory kicked in, even in that most tragic time of loss.
0: Monica, you know, you and I have spent years talking the talk, right? We've talked to, we're blue in the face. We've gone where people have, you know, wanted to call us out of our names, tell us that we're just taking organs and killing people. You know, we've gone through all of that. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, it again, it didn't escape me that I had an opportunity to create a lasting legacy for my husband and for my daughter to know and see my husband as a hero and to know that in that moment, I could be selfless. I could help save someone else's life or enhance someone else's life. And I knew because my husband supported me in everything that I did. My entire career at Gift of Hope, he was by my side. And he would always say when I would ask him to go to things, he was like, You know I don't work at Gift of Hope. He told the former CEO <laughs> who introduced him one time, Oh, and this is Reggie. He you know, he practically works at Gift of Hope. And he's like, Kevin, I do not work at Gift of Hope.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but he was such a big personality whenever he yes. was there. <laughs> he was
0: you know, Monica, and I don't want to get too emotional, but he was the love of my life. We had 33 great years together. We have an amazing child who is graduating from college next week. Yay. And So, Monica, I'm not sad. I, well, let me say, I wasn't mad. I was profoundly, profoundly sad at the loss of my husband. hmm
1: Yes. And I still am. I still am. Yeah. I understand that. So what suggestions do you have for people who want to have the conversation with family and friends who may be hesitant or resistant to consider registering to be a donor? In fact, asking this question reminds me of conversations that you and I had about you telling Reggie to be sure he made his own decision because you didn't want to have to make it for him.
0: Well, you know, when I started at Gift of Hope, my daughter was eight and she loved my new job. She was like, mommy, that's so important. For Thanksgiving, she went around and asked everyone if they were organ donors and you should be an organ donor. This is what my mommy does. And so never asked Reggie. And then when she was 10, she happened to see Reggie's license. And she said, "Ooh, I'm telling mommy, you are not registered to be a donor. And I'm like, Rudy Shuck, you do know what I do every day, right? What do you mean you're not registered? And he said, well, you work for Gift of Hope, you can make that decision. And again, I will tell people, you have to make your own decision because sometimes people are not in a position because they're grieving and coming to grips with your loss that they can make that decision for you. They can't do it, Monica. I can tell you, Everything was a blur. If I didn't have Jack Lynch, if I didn't have my sisters, if I didn't have Karen Cameron, I don't even know what happened at the hospital, Monica, to tell you the truth. It was just a blur because all I kept thinking, I got to get my baby from the airport. I've got to make it to Gift of Hope so she can say goodbye because I didn't want her to see him, Monica, in a morgue. And so my Gift of Hope family took care of him. They transported the body. They They said they kept him warm so my daughter could see him. They gave him an honor walk. They raised a flag. You have to have these conversations because I can tell you, having progressed here at Gift of Hope from recruiter to manager to director and now VP, death comes for us all. And I have a coworker who lost his 15-year-old son last year. And so you've got to have the conversation because you don't know And if you don't have any idea, it should be in your end of life discussion. And it doesn't just need to happen at funerals, Monica, as you know, where this conversation always comes up. It should happen at Sunday dinner. It should happen at weeknight dinner. You know, I don't want to be morbid, but anytime you're together... Um, Especially if you have older parents, especially if you have children who may not precede you, you need to know what they want. Do they want to be an angel? Do they want to be a hero? People scolded me for talking about this to my 8-year-old, then my 10-year-old. They were like, she's too young. But what I realized, Monica, she was my living next of kin. And so with that, even if she was a minor, she would have had to make that decision had something happened to me or Reggie right? She was our living next of kin. Mm -hmm. So you need to have conversations when you have like an only child, which my daughter Malika is. And so now we are each other's legal next of kin. So I'm hers. She's mine. You have to have that conversation. And you want to have that conversation with people who will honor your wishes because that is gift of hope's job is to honor your wish if you say yes to donation.
1: So true. Very good advice. Thank you. Thank you for those awesome words of advice. What words of encouragement do you have for those who are still on the fence about organ donation?
0: I say, take a poll. Take a poll of people in your family. And if you have someone in your family who has a chronic illness, you have someone in your family who's on dialysis, you have someone in your family who is debilitated, Think about what they would need to have a better quality of life. My brother, he needs a kidney. I and my sister would not be able to fathom if something happened to him and we didn't say yes to being tested, to seeing if we could. And we have other members of our family who will be tested as well. But I'm his sister. I'm his oldest sister. We've had this conversation and you have to have this conversation. So we had a conversation, Monica, that my twin would go first because she has a husband and I am Malika's only living parent. So these are conversations you have to have. So don't be on the fence. Ask somebody, ask your parents what they want. You know, my parents are seventy nine and seventy five. I needed to know what they wanted. And it's not a morbid conversation. Nobody wants to talk about death, but it's the one thing, death and taxes, what they say you got to have a conversation about. Don't be on the fence if you can help save or enhance someone's life.
1: Very true, Miriam, very true. But you bring up a valid point about living donation and Mm -hmm. living donation is a very um, strong part of this whole process um, Mm -hmm. because with deceased donation alone, we will never reduce the weight. Not everyone who registers to be an organ donor actually is able to be an organ donor. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Absolutely. Monica, we we bury healthy organs, but we bury organs every day in this country. And that is because most people do not die in a manner that will allow organ and tissue donation. Less than 2% of those people die in a manner because- They may not experience a tragic circumstance like a traumatic brain injury, a cardiac episode, a noxious injury. Some people may die from cancer. Well, if you have active cancer, we can't allow you to be an organ donor. We just now are allowing people to have HIV transplantation, hepatitis to hepatitis. And of that 2% that do die in a manner, Monica, only 15% of them can progress to organ and tissue donation. Because it's all about timing. That's why I say people need to understand the process of donation so they can recognize you can walk around and do your normal activities. My husband was walking around. We did everything we wanted to do, but it was his time, Monica, and he he didn't die in a manner that he could progress to organ donation, but he did die in a manner that he could be a tissue donor. And no, we're not going to follow you home if you register to be an organ donor and hit you upside the head and take your organs because organ and tissue donation can only happen in a hospital in a sterile environment. That's how it happens in an OR. For all those folks who have said to me, well, you all take organs all the time and people die on the street and you take their organs. I'm like, I'm sorry to inform you that if somebody is shot, and they die on the street, they are pronounced dead on the street, and they are not in an ambulance where life-sustaining measures are done, they cannot be an organ donor.
1: So, and I'll just say something that I learned from you early on. Mm -hmm. Everyone should register their own intention to be an organ donor. That is a gift that you give to your family because it's not a decision that they will have to make at the most traumatic time in their life. Thank you, Marion, for this very informative, insightful, and personal conversation. I really appreciate you, and I thank you for the time.
0: Thank you, Monica, and thank you for listening to Let's Talk Hope. We encourage you to start the conversation today about organ and tissue donation with your loved ones and make your wishes known you can register to become a donor at giftpope.org or text hope h-o-p-e to 51555 i'm marian shuck and let's talk hope we'll be taking a break for summer we will be back in the fall with new episodes in the meantime i encourage you to check out any of the previous episodes you might have missed Visit giftofhope.org to listen and subscribe.